I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is an abbreviated version of the television interview that I did with Katie Price. First broadcast as part of my In Conversation series on W. I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is brought to you by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with a lady who is a media tour de force, an author of six autobiographies, 10 novels, and 25 children's books that have sold millions of copies. She's also a massive reality TV star, and she starts her career by getting a kit off. Tonight, I'm going to be in conversation with Katie Price. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and doing this. Uh, in my introduction, I called you a media tour de force, which is really what you are because you're across everything. A fashion, you've got a makeup range, you've got a clothing range, you've got books that have sold millions, you're a massive reality TV star. You're bringing out music. I mean, why do you laugh when you say that? <laughs> you know why? Because it's it. If you look at it, like, I'm one of the people, to be honest, that you've just been in the background. I've never sort of thought, all right, I'm, I'm interested in Jordan or I'm interested in Katie Price. You were just somebody who was on the telly. And when I've looked into your life for this show, there's so many more layers here than I expected to find. I'm like a little tornado. Yeah, Get but... Get here, there, everywhere, like... But... Starting off as a glamour model, very, very few last. And they certainly don't create the empire that you've created. What do you think it is with you that's different than anyone else who was there? I don't know. It's weird. Life is really weird because when I started, they were all blondes. When you're glamour, it's normally about your birthday suit, like fashion models are cloak hangers to me, unless you're a supermodel. Um, and they were just all blondes, big boobs. And I was brunette with really curly hair. I didn't look like any of them. And then I think when I changed my name to Jordan, then I got onto the Jordan Formula One. And then it just sort of escalated. Escalated from that. I don't know. I think everything I did, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Because if I knew the reason, I'd format it on everyone else and I'd be even more richer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but looking at, at that, as you said, everyone looked different. It was big boobs, it, it was blonde hair. I didn't have big boobs then, by the way, but I did do them. That's when the sun did that big debate, yeah, I, telling me not to do it, but I still did it. This obsession... No, actually, I'm going to rephrase that because that's not fair on you. No, say it, honestly. You can ask me anything. I'm not offended. Please, I'm not offended by anything. I actually would want you to ask me questions that w w you think, should, should I ask that or not? Because they're the interesting questions. Don't pussyfoot, just ask. Honestly, I don't get offended. I'll answer it, honestly. OK. So your obsession is... <laughs> yeah, go on. No, what I was going to say was uh, you're obsessing with the size of your tits. 
right? Yeah, no, basically. <laughs> well, no, what I was going to say is this obsession that seems to be, and I've, I've seen interviews that you've done in the past where you said, you know, you wanted to have uh, your breast enlarged anyway when you were a Always, kid, before yeah. the modelling, before this creation of this phenomenon. And you wanted it for you, not for yeah. everyone else. Whereas for someone like me, who just saw you occasionally flash yeah. up in newspapers and stuff, I just, I genuinely just thought, oh, she's just doing that to get in the papers. Mm. She's doing it to enhance her chance of being a topless model. Yeah, it's weird because, no, I did always want them done and I went to a place called Transform when I was 16 and they won't do it without your parents' signature and there was no way my mum was going to do that. No way. So I had to wait till I was 18 to do that. You seem to have a really solid relationship, particularly from what I can see of all, all the, all the mm -hmm. shows that you've done with your mum. Really close, really solid. Yeah. For a mum to have that situation where her teenage daughter get breast enlargements and then to develop a relationship as a wild child before she's left the teenage years, that must have put strains on your relationship. No, but then what you've got to remember is lots of things happened to me as a kid. So my mum was quite, uh, with men by the way, that she was quite protective of me. I wasn't allowed to paper around, I wasn't allowed to go to youth club, I was lately losing my virginity, I was late at going clubbing. So I suppose when I was able to do these things, it's not that I went out of control, I think, because I started young, the media basically, they could write anything they want. So I was doing nothing different to any other person my age. Loads of girls come out of uh, clubs drunk, dressed like minimal wear. I I was the same as everyone else, but I was the one who'd get picked on. They would choose pictures where you're half blinking to make you look worse than you were. So I suppose that's where that wild child um, thing came. And I suppose that's what it's like. One minute I'm Jordan, one minute I'm Katie Price. I can't keep up myself. Yeah, but when you <laughs> when you said there your mum was protective of you, you you were topless modelling at 17. That that seems to me not. No, but no, not that I'm stopping the uh, convo. I was basically raped in that quite a few times as a kid. Like family member and like photographer. It's all in my books, and it's always with men I've had troubles where they've tried to take me. So my mum's always watched me. So sometimes I think, did I do the glamour glamour modelling? I don't know if this is true but this is what I say as a sign of yeah men you can look at me but you can't have me as if it's a rebellious bat I don't know because if you met my family you would think that would be the last thing that I would do but I enjoyed it and yeah yeah. So, what, I mean, you just said there in, in a kind of casual way, I was raped a few times as a child. That's a massive statement. I don't know. When I sit, so much has happened in my life, like, so much. It's like my, in my head, it's like... So you just have to get on with it, don't you, really? But did you get on with it? Did, did you have counselling? What, what, no, I mean, I've got a happens? really good family. Yeah. A really good family. No, not really. I didn't need it. I think because I've got a stri strong family and I'm quite open and talk about things that we just all dealt with it and, yeah. So but not everyone's like that, and don't no. get me wrong, people get affected by things. But that's why I wonder if that's why I liked doing the glamour modeling as a, you know, up yours to you men, you can look but you can't touch it. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Some people have said in the past that's probably why I enjoy doing it. To you empower know. yourself. But I love it, really. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you, when... I first was raped, seven, yeah. in a bush in a park. And it was with three other girls as well. Um, so that was that. And then another time. Standing. Sorry, Kate. I, I, I know you think I'm saying it like, because I was seven, so I'm no, 39 no. now. I'm like. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm a, I, I, what I don't want to do is to try and psychoanalyse and go, well, come on, yeah. and well, what happened? Because I don't. I think it's such a traumatic thing that it's not fair to do that. You've obviously, within your own mind, gained some protection that allows you to talk about it. But there will be other kids 
in situations or other people who, who don't come out of it with the strength that you've come out of it. And and that's the bit that surprises me. You just went, oh, yeah, yeah, I was seven. That's a, yeah. that's a horrible thing to happen to, to Well, I know we talk about it later, but it's the same. I had a healthy baby and then I was told like that he was blind. I mean, that is another massive shock. It's like, so I've had so many shock, shock, shocks. And it's, I think I've sort of built um, a wall so I can, a coping mechanism. Although when I have seen counsellors before for different reasons, they always say that at the back of my brain, there's like a little pot and that's why I store it all. So I always put a barrier up. That's like with the media, they write so much stuff. I mean, I love working with the media because it's give and take, but there's so much stuff that I'm just like, oh, whatever. Because I'm so, I'm like desensitised, but I'm just so used to it. It's like, oh, here we go, another story. Okay. I just don't let it bother me. Mm. But in my personal life, I'm so soft. But men, it's always been men in my life that have caused the heartache, always. So. So the situation when you were seven, did your mum know about it? Did this place yeah, we never get prosecuted? Park. I was on my way walking to the park and she was at the cafe with her friends. So it was just like, like that. But did he ever get caught? Um, there were two people walked through and obviously knew what he was doing. They obviously called the police because he then ran off. And then the police came, you know, they take all your clothes and stuff like that. But, you know, it was so many years ago, I can only remember, like, little bits of it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, and, but that was the first incident. And there was another one? Yeah, and there was also a celebrity, and everyone will know who it was, and I've never named the person, and I won't name the person. Some people know. I have to be careful on that one. Yeah, I have to be careful on that one, because if I say something, then everyone will know who it is. And that was another one. Because after it happened, I said to my friends, look, this happened, that, that's, that's rape, isn't it, rape? And they're like, well, of course it is. And they said, why don't you go to the police? And the reason I didn't is because I consented to go back there. So that's what I mean. There's so many different things with rape. When is it called rape? Do you know what I mean? So, and that was when I was about 18. You were in the glamour world then? Yeah. And that, that person you've presumably passed in your professional life since then? No, I've never seen him since. But I can't say more because it'd be so obvious who it is. But to an extent, and, you know, it's not for here, but to an extent, doesn't somebody who's done that deserve to be named and shamed? Mm, if I say the next thing, I can't because it'd be obvious. Yeah. The, the person's been punished in his own right, put it that okay. way. I'm quite matter-of-fact and I, I believe in if something happens, doesn't matter how shocking it is, I, I believe if you talk about it, instead of keeping it in, it's, it helps a lot. There's a lot of people who boil things up and they get depressed from it, they get all sorts of things. I always think it's good for people to talk about things. I think that's another reason why I've probably been in this industry a long time, because I do talk about it, I'm very open, people might be shocked by things that I say, but I normally only say things that what are people thinking? And But what you've just said there about, about you, your, your ability to, to cope with the abuse that you suffered as a child, which would have sunk a lot of people, empowered you to become the powerful woman that you are now. Now, I'm not suggesting that for any way that that's a process other people yeah, should Yeah, yeah, no. Everyone's different, you know. Everyone's sitting in here, you, me. There's things about all of us and none of us know. We've all had dramas, it's not just me. But I choose to talk about it because I feel me talking about different things, people are like, oh, my God, you know what, that's happened to me. That's right. And then they're interested in what I say. Yeah. I'm really good at giving advice, but I'm shit at taking my own advice. That's the <laughs> trouble. But on that point, because you have you have been open air and you, you as you say you've mentioned it in the past about uh, suffering abuse as a child. Is you have you have have you had a situation where someone's come up to you and said, "I'm glad you said that because something happened to me and nobody ever knew about it." All the time I get it. It could be even about kids. You know, if they've had a child with disabilities, or I get that a lot now because of Harvey. Whereas some people say. 
why do you have to put him in the spotlight to show? And I'm like, well, I'm not afraid. You know, I think it's good because, you know, some people can't cope with having a kid with disabilities. They want to mm. hide away, can't cope, think their life has ended. When I try and turn around and say, why? Just because he might not be like you. He's still a child. You still get fun, you know. It's it's a human being. It's, I mean, I could sit all day and talk about stuff like that. But yeah. in well, fact, I could sit. I do talk a lot tonight. That's all right. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you're here. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> Your world changed, really, didn't it, when Harvey was born? Because up to that point, you were a party girl. You were free. And that was another big risk, whether keeping him or not. Um, yeah, because I just started my career. I mean, I thought you'd only last a year, two years at being a model, because you never really heal from lasting longer, do you, really? But I, I don't know how even being the glamour model, I've been pregnant, didn't change. If anything, it, it got more mad. I got uh, more mad. I got more work from it. It was just, which isn't normal. You got you'd more think that work. you'd get sacked off because you're pregnant, being yeah. like a glamour model or whatever. But for me, it was like, shit, my, t my career's not going away. It's actually getting better. But yeah, then I had him and that was it. But I knew I always wanted kids. Always, I'm so maternal, hence all the animals, all the children, and I still want more. I've just always had that mother instinct in me. The, the, the tabloid world during that time for, for you... That was the worst headlines when I had Harvey, because basically they were saying, because of my parting, he was born blind, which was not true at all. Until you become a mother with Harvey, you were a party girl, right, almost right up to him being yeah. born. And that's where, where mm. when, particularly when you find out the problems with Harvey, you must have gone 180 degrees and thought, how do I best be a good mum? Mm. and service this this machine that still at that stage is, is your Yeah, I didn't. Like, I admit, and it's another awful thing to say, and I, I know I'm speaking that for a lot of people, you'd actually agree with me, even if you don't want to admit it. If I'd known when I was pregnant that Harvey would be blind, I wouldn't have had him. I wouldn't have. Because to me, like, blind, shit, what am I do? How would I cope? And that's the honest truth. And some people don't want to admit it, but I think most people sitting there, they probably think the same. I didn't but, know. But Harvey, for those who don't know, Harvey's not just blind, is he? And he has got some oh, yeah. No, he's, now as well. Yeah, well, his optic nerve hasn't really... I'll, I'll explain what it was, but I didn't find it till six weeks. Yeah. Basically, I'm sure you've all got kids in there, and you get the social health visitor that comes up, and it's at your six weeks check, and she said, oh, was he doing his social smile? And I'm like, what's a social smile? She's like, oh, is he looking at you and smiling? And I'm like, well, he does smile, but I don't know if it's wind or, you know, because, you know, they smile when they get wind babies. She said, but is he looking at you? And I'm like, well, no, not really. And I bought him all these mobile things, and she said, you know, when you put him under the mobile thing, is he following it when you play with him? I went, no, I'll show you. So I, I showed her. She's like, right. And then she put a torch in that in his eyes to see if he'd follow it, and he wasn't. So I remember her saying, right, he just might be delayed. You know, some babies can be a bit slower than others, um, but maybe you should go and see your doctor. And I didn't really think much of it then, but then I thought, oh, is that normal to say that? Maybe it is. I don't know. It's my first. And we've had the same family doctor for years, and then we went and saw him. And he put the torch and he went, yes, Kate, it's not normal. There does seem to be a problem with his eyes. So then he referred me to a hospital in Brighton. So me and my mum went there. We're in the waiting room, like, looking at Harvey, thinking, is there something wrong with his eyes? You know, because you look and think, he looks normal to me. Don't look blind to me. So then we went in the room and basically, I'll never forget this doctor. He was as cold-hearted as, hmm, let's have a look. And he went, yeah, yeah, he's blind. Exactly like, he's blind. So me and my mum sat there, like, as if to say, yeah, and, like, I don't know, as if, like, they could say, but this could help or this, you know what I mean? Just some kind of, is it the word reassurance or mm. just something? And that was it. I'm like, oh, OK. And we left the room, like, really deflated. Like, we didn't cry. But we're like, so he's blind. What do we do? But th what do you do? He's blind. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> you just have to get on with it. So then from then, 
then you'd look at his eyes and then you'd sort of notice because I suppose they didn't move like other babies' eyes would. But I suppose we become more protective of him. But then I think, is he going to walk with a stick? And, you know, all these things go through your mind. He's not going to be able to drive. He's not going to be able to do this. Or what can he do? You just become really protective. And then through the years and months ahead, actually, he had an MRI scan because they wanted to check the optic nerve and they missed something out in his pituitary gland. And basically, they starved him from... Um, meds that would have helped other things that he would have found in his body. That's why he's got a lot of his other problems as well. The hospital admitted it in writing, and we're like, look, we're not going to sue or nothing because, you you know, he's going to need NHS forever. So then it's by talking to mums. This is why I'm so strong about if people have got problems, you have to talk to people. So through my mum getting in contact with other mums and stuff, that's when you started recognising, actually, Harvey's like your child, and they'd be like, yeah, my child's got this and that. So they gave us the name of a doctor. Sorry if I'm talking a lot, I'll just say it quick, because otherwise you'll be all night. So basically, we got referred to Great Ormond Street. We walked in the room, the doctor, Dr Tatani's name, is he's still under him now. Straight away, he walked in the room, saw Harvey and went, right, he's got this, this, this. Here's the, and basically, here's the meds. And he just knew straight away. Well, what is the this, this, this? Oh, at first, um, it's called optic dysplasia, septic optic dysplasia, and it's due to the pituitary gland. It affects your growth, your speech, your eyes. There's not one child who's got, we call it SOD for sure, that have got the same thing. But then as he got older, he'd just sit there. He wouldn't even, it just make, make silly noises. And he'd just sit there and not do anything. So he didn't walk. He only came out of a wheelchair a few years ago. But then that's when we found out he's autistic. And then he didn't want to eat his food and stuff. That was a thing. And then he'd want to eat loads, but the same, I know it's confusing, but then he got diagnosed with Prada Willies. Does anyone know what Prada Willies is? Prada Willies is you don't know you're full up, so you just want to eat and eat and eat. So we have to like basically um, shut the kitchen. So if you leave it open, he'd just go in there, get anything, like frozen pizzas, he'll even eat that. Eat anything because he never feels full up. So we have to do with that. He's got ADHD, opposite deficit disorder, um, and cortisol deficient is a dangerous one for him that if you fall over and you hurt yourself or if you're running for a bus your adrenaline kicks in you know when you get to the bus you're yeah. like oh, I've got the bus you've got the adrenaline in your body to cope to calm your body down whereas Harvey hasn't so he's on tablets for that so if he has an accident he has to have like an emergency injection otherwise he'd get into adrenaline state and can die so basically the long story short he's on medication if he doesn't take it has it six times a day he'll die basically but like I say he doesn't know any different I don't know any different and you get on with it and he's my first so to me it's normal yeah that's in a nutshell. <laughs> for anyone to manage a child with, with with such a list of conditions is going to be difficult. But you were doing that whilst 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 working, and the work that you were doing, you're having to portray a carefree attitude. You're having to go, "Hey, I'm here. The party's here. Jordan's here." Da, da, da. How that that period must have been shattering for you. I don't know because I'll turn up for shoots because I'm quite. As you could tell, open person, I'm quite... That's what I mean, I talk, I don't like to keep things in. I'm quite... If I've got... If I'm upset about something, I say it. But, like, Harvey, I'll do my shoot. I'd have, like, a G-string or a little bra. And I'll be like, hang on a minute, he's Dewey's feed. Put a dressing gun on. And then you'll see me sitting there, feeding him, winding him. Then I'll put him back, get back on with the shoot. It's like, that's just the way it rolled. <laughs> that was it. Did you think, on one hand, coming back to what you were saying earlier about, about entering the glamour world and, and being an exhibitionist, allowed you to overcome the sexual abuse as a child? Did remaining in that world give you the balance to stop you just focusing too much on Harvey and maybe getting depressed by that? Was it no, another thing that kept, I you, kept you going? It. See, that, that's what I mean. I, I, I don't know, I didn't analyse it really. It's it just the way it was. 
This podcast is sponsored by UK TV Play, the free on-demand service, where you can watch the TV shows you love from Dave, Yesterday, Really and Drama, wherever you want, whenever you want. The home of BAFTA-nominated series Taskmaster and the critically acclaimed Red Dwarf, alongside other UK TV Play exclusive including The White Princess and Most Haunted. UK TV Play offers free access to thousands of hours of comedy, drama, documentaries and paranormal TV, all for free. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You've been through this period where you were Jordan. You have Harvey. You're still in the papers. You're still Jordan. You're kind of less prominent for falling out of nightclubs because you're looking after a disabled son. And then you went on to, you know, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And that, that, somebody in our office upstairs, when we were looking at the research, they they summed it up. They said, you know, you went into the jungle as Jordan and came out as Katie Price. Mm. The the country got to see you in an entirely different way because it wasn't someone playing, because you couldn't play up to the cameras all the time. Your your makeup was off, your hair was braided. I realised that massive mole on my face which I removed when I came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I look at that I don't even look like that. I've got new teeth and new nose and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I had a Greek and they say once you've had Greek you've hit your peak and I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, well, cool. we'll come on to that in a second. <laughs> uh, but we've got one of the things that made you yeah. becoming dear to the country is that you got on with it. You do, and I, I get that sense talking to you now. It's like someone says get on you go alright I'll get on. So all of the Bush Tucker trials you took on and you, 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 I, I'd never do, I'd never ever do that for loads you, do you know, of reasons. You say that and I was the same, but I'm telling you, when you're in there, and I'm not normally a team player because I work for myself, you know, that I'm, you know, for me, but when you're in there, I, I can't tell you how hungry you are, so hungry that you want that food and you, you do it, you just, your zone is so weird. Because if you bought a witchly grub or something here now, or cockroaches, they eat them, I'm like, fucking no way. But yeah. my mind's, because my mind's not set to do it. It's weird how you mindset. I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. I, I suppose, yeah, your, your reality changes. And I, I, yeah. I occasionally watch. You should the, do it. If, any, if you could ever get a chance to do anything. Not a chance. It's, it's just such a... Not a chance, no. You should. Why don't you challenge yourself? <laughs> because, first of all, Why I've been... Why be safe? Because I've been a vegetarian for 32 years. Oh, you wouldn't I, like my house with my pigs and lambs in the freezer then. They're all organic. And there's no way I'm going to go from being a vegetarian to eat kangaroo bollocks. That's not going to happen. It was quite tasty, actually. No, I didn't. I had a kangaroo's anus. That's what I had. And it tastes like cold minced meat, if I remember. But that changed changed the, the, the public's perception of you. But also, it started this this relationship with Peter Andre that became, became for a, a number of years, like an institution. It became... 
a, like a, to a crazy extent uh, because you started this reality TV franchise. I mean, these are shows, these are series. So you did when Jordan met Peter, Jordan and Peter laid bare, Jordan and Peter marriage and Mayen. Got the way my name is first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Katie and Peter, the next chapter, series one. Katie and Peter, the next chapter, series two. Katie and Peter, the next chapter, series three. Katie and Peter, baby diaries. Katie and Peter, down under. Katie and Peter, African adventure. Katie and Peter stateside. Now, that's a lot of telly. And then, <laughs> yeah, like over a decade I've been doing reality. And then I did the Katie ones, and then they same channel wanted to do with Pete, and that's when I left because I thought you're not playing us both off each other. Yeah, but that that ran from November 2004. All of those shows from November 2004 to June 2009. So that's five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, about 60-odd hours oh. of telly. And if you're in telly, you'll know that an hour probably takes a week, two weeks. Two weeks. So, so that's two weeks, 60 times. Oh, you can't do your maths thing, because even I couldn't work that out. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that means, in reality, your, your marriage, which is about three and a half, four years long, there was somebody with a camera in your face for yeah, a third it's, of it. It's a shame, really, because... Well, I have to be careful on this, because I've had a big legal case with him for five years. It's over now. Um, I... I generally loved Pete, generally, and I never ever wanted to split with him. But when I look back, it wasn't normal. Everything we did was documented. You know, the manager we had, you know, there was three of us really in the marriage in my case. It was, that's the way it was. And it got to a point where it's like, fucking hell, can we ever do anything where it's not filmed? Do you know what I mean? It was literally everything, everything. And it used to get to the point where I, I used to say to Pete, oh, fuck's sake, I don't want to film today. I said, that's it, you watch me wind them up. He goes, oh, don't bother, okay, let's just get on with it. So they'd be at the bottom of the, the stairs with the camera and deliver. I'd go a different way, thinking, no, you're not getting that shot. That's how it got, because it pissed me off so much. And that was the last series we did. It just annoyed me how, just there, it's like, if I wake up, just piss off, let me wake up in the morning. It, it got that bad, it wasn't enjoyable. But, but why did you allow it to happen? Because we had a contract, get... and then when we come back anyway, we split. But it, it became unenjoyable. In the beginning, it was enjoyable, because the way I looked at it was, I can look back and Google my life, watch the kids growing up, you know, it's, it's a good memory to have. But there's not many of us in here, well, there's probably none of you in here, actually, who can look back and have as much detail documented as me of my life. Do you know what I mean? But, but it wasn't enjoyable. But there's a cost to that, though, isn't it? There's, yeah, there's well, it did. It got too much. Do you think if you had stopped that earlier and stopped, stopped the, the television series and just been a couple yeah, with kids... Yeah, we would kids, probably stay together, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was other factors in it, but, yeah, no, definitely, I didn't want to split with him, but it is. That's years ago, and people still bring it up. Um, and even now, if you ask our kids, they're, they're, they're actually happy because they love the things that Kieran does, they love things with Emily. And I always say to them, what would you do if like, me and your dad got to back together? And they're like, oh, no, Mum, no way, it wouldn't yeah, work. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so happy how it is, and they don't know any difference, so I mean, yeah, that's, that's healthy. With Kieran, you, you had, you, you've got... You had you, you've got two <laughs> other kids. Oh, yeah, no, no, you've you've got Bunny, Bunny and Jet. So you've got five kids in that house. Uh, and again with kids. Six, because Kieran's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he says I am. But yeah. Uh, but you're. I didn't realise this because I'm not I'm not a real follower of tabloids. But you, d d I guess in some respects. Your association all the time with men is because there's always seems to be someone quite quickly. I mean, after Peter, Alex Reed was I'm there terrible. quite quickly. And you were married Not quite quickly. Not terrible because I'm not a dirtbag either. That's another thing I want to say. 
the press, even if you talk to a guy, they think you've had sex. I can count on my hands how many, many people I've been with. I actually haven't been with that many, but when I have been with them, it's been for a long time. Um, but I don't know why I've got that stigma as well against me. But um, yeah, I just... Have you ever seen The Notebook, the film? To me, that is love. And all I want to do... Well, well what's the... Like, I don't know. It's basically like, it's just love. You know, they ended up trying to be apart. You know, families kept them apart, but they ended up together in the end and they're there to their love. You know, they look at each other, they love each other. That's all I've ever wanted, but every guy I've been with has hurt me. So I do fall in love quick, so probably because I'm looking for that fairy tale all the time. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't marry them that quick, but it's like, I'm old-fashioned, I want that family unit. See, that's one thing, my job's, I'm really strong in work, but at home, I just want to be loved and just, I love it. I want to give, like, hence all the animals and kids, which is really weird, because I was loved growing up. But I'm quite vulnerable, gullible and needy, which yeah. you probably wouldn't think I'd be like, but I am. Quickly after Alex was catered. It's, it's... Well, yeah, five weeks from meeting him. From day one of meeting Kieran, five weeks later, I was married and pregnant. What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Tone, that's what I mean. But I have been with him nearly five years now, so it can work. Yeah. Not that I'm trying to justify myself. Yeah, that was really quick. And you've worked at it. I mean, you, yeah. you know, you've had problems within that relationship as well, that like people year, have known. Yeah. You, you know, where... He cheated on me with two of my best friends of 20 years, and I caught him. Yeah. But we moved on from it, where everyone said, Kate, what are you doing? Get rid of him. What made you say this is worth the effort to work through? Um, I haven't said it publicly, and I'm not going into details, but I, it's not an excuse. But sometimes people act the way they do when they get older, because maybe things have happened to them as a kid. Now, I never knew that something really, 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 really bad happened to him as a kid until his mum phoned him up crying on the phone and told me what it was. So then we all had therapy to the point that I, I flew this guy over for the weekend and he said that Kieran was untreatable because he lied that much. If you, if you said someone was black, he would try and make you convince you what he did himself that it was white. He was just such a liar. The stuff that you're, you're, you're saying and you're talking and, and, and particularly what you said there about Kieran, you said like he had some kind of childhood drama. Sex addiction he had. He had sex addiction yeah. that was related all the way back to a childhood yeah. trauma. Um, and it, to be honest, sex addiction People is... don't believe in it, but they believe in alcohol and drug abuse, yeah. but people don't really believe in sex addiction. But even though when you're treated for it, you still do the same steps you would with a drug addiction yeah. and sex addiction, you know, where you starve them from sex. And it's actually really interesting because I was like, I'm not buying this. You know, I may act stupid, but at the same time, I'm, I need to see proof, evidence, you know, so I got sent things to read, this, that, analyse. I wouldn't just take him back thinking, OK, he's got sex addiction. I'm not that much of a fool. So I did look into it and stick by and see it all. And he definitely, definitely had a sex addiction. I, I, I watched again when you did the documentary about standing up for Harvey. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, where Frankie Boyle said a joke about him uh, on his show on Channel 4. And, and you wanted an apology, you wanted a redress. And it opened up this whole world of where you've been trolled with Harvey and some of the, some of the vicious things that have been said. And that particular joke that was used, uh, which for those people who don't know, it was when you and uh, Peter Andre were splitting up. And the, I was with Alex Reed the Cage. You say, yeah, because... Yeah, yeah say, and yeah. you were with Alex Reed the, the, the Cage fight. And uh, Frankie Boyle said, uh, I see in the papers, um, I see in the. I see. 
Frankie Boyle said, I see in the papers that Katie Price and Peter Andre are fighting over custody with Harvey. One of them is going to lose and is going to have to have him. But that must be why Katie's with a cage fighter because she has to have somebody strong enough to stop Harvey fucking her. Yeah. Now, to me, as a professional comic, that's not funny. That, I, I, I didn't I, find it funny either. I don't, I don't find it funny and... and and Frankie, I know Frankie as a person, and and I and I was, and I know that his humour is that dark humour, and I know it's that that humour that they will call pushing pushing the boundaries. It's not what not what yeah, I'm yeah, into. Yeah. It's not what I find funny. But what struck me about it massively is that that he would not have said that joke by saying, uh, you know what those autistic disabled children are like, they all want to rape the mothers. Mm. He wouldn't have said that. Like he said it, it yeah. to personalise you yeah. and, and, and to personalise it towards Harvey as if yous don't count, it only works if you don't count. I know. And, yeah, no, you're right, it was absolutely disgusting. And what shocked me more is that Channel 4 were doing the Paralympics. So my view is, how can you have someone, as a comedian on your show, taking the piss out of someone with disabilities, yet you're promoting the Paralympics coming up? So I asked Channel 4 for an apology. This is why I did that programme. So I asked Channel 4 for an apology didn't get anything. We asked so many times for Frankie Boyle, wasn't interested. I said, look, can I meet you with Harvey? Because I just want you to realise, you know, when you meet him, I just, basically I wanted him to feel like shit, that you've got this innocent boy. So anyway, so I did a programme where I went to all different, um, I know you saw it, but in case none of you did, asking other comedians their point of views, um, disability people and all of this, just to see what was funny, What? why would you get away with saying that? And he still didn't want to do a reply. And then obviously the trolling, I've done my... Um, um, as you know, yeah, petition, my yeah. petition at the moment for online bullying, it's not just for Harvey, but I get so... They don't pick on any of my other kids, it's always Harvey. And what annoys me is, why pick on a kid that... I don't care what they say about me, because I can have my right of reply or whatever, and I'm used to it. But when it comes to a child, or any child, he hasn't even got the right of reply, he wouldn't even understand what they're saying. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, if I don't protect him, then who will? But there's so many other people out there. It doesn't matter the colour of your skin, whether you're gay, straight, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Some Everyone gets online bullying, and I just when it stopped. And when I went on this morning and I used the N-word, I don't like to say the word, but the N-word, I'm sure you will know what I'm saying. But so, in what context did you use that Basically, word? so online, Harvey gets called a nigger black spastic, um, nigger C-U-N-T, what an ugly black nigger, what ugly black C-U-N-T. Um, if you didn't go with Dwight, you wouldn't have had like a spastic, or they call him sticky black spastic or King Mong. You know, people have done videos on him. I just thought, you know, enough's enough. So I went to the police and reported, there was loads of people, but there's these two particular ones, got them arrested, they took all their stuff off them, but they don't know how to charge them because there's no, nothing in place to charge them with. So anyway, when I went on this morning with Philip and Holly to talk about my petition, so Philip basically asked, you know, what was it? And I said, well, how would you like it, Philip? Someone said that your son was an ugly black nigger spastic, like that. And he went, OK, can you not use that word again? I said, well, no, because people are calling him a nigger. So he sort of was like, no, no, no. I said, but this is my problem. You don't like me hearing, hearing me saying, and everyone's going to cause chaos because I've used them words, but why is it all right to say it online? Just because I'm saying it out loud, it's no different to someone doing it online. This is my point. And did I get backlash? Maybe a little bit. But then how do they think that makes me feel yeah. or other people who get called it? The matter of fact is, he's called it. But because it's written and people don't read it out, they just read it, it should still be treated the same. So basically, this online petition I'm doing it is to make it a criminal offence for someone online bullying. But I have to go to the select committee now to know to what extent it has to be before you punish someone. Is it a fine or imprisonment thing? You know, it's ongoing. But something should be done about it. Did you ever, ever get a reply from 
Frankie or no. Channel 4. See, that, that... But to me, I, I, the, all I said is, well, basically, his wife or kids could have a car accident and they could be paralysed from the neck down and then he'll have to deal with someone, you know, like that. And I wonder if he'll say the same joke then. This one, you should never... I'm quite bullshit, a matter of fact. We can all have a laugh, we can all have banter. But you know when you're crossing line. You can make jokes where they're real near to the edge, but that's not funny what he did. So it's like... I believe in karma, and I, God forbid I wouldn't want that to happen, but do you know what I mean? If something close to him happened like that, I bet he wouldn't say that joke then. Well, well I mean, the, uh, you know, I know Frankie from working on the circuit. I wouldn't say I know him well, I wouldn't yeah. say we're mates. But he's a nice person, you know, and that persona is a little bit like your Jordan persona. It's not yeah. Katie Price. But I've never but, said offensive stuff No, like that, but though. to me... Um, yeah. I can't understand why someone can't go, all right, fair enough, I said it, but... Yeah, admit I, I know it, and it then have more respect. And, and, and go, sorry, and move on. And then if you want to push the boundaries again, you carry on pushing the boundaries, but when they've gone that far to an individual who's, who, who doesn't deserve himself. it, yeah. then you, put, you have to put your hands up. But to me, it was, it was completely unnecessary. I mean, even when Piers Morgan met him, I went on this morning with him to talk about trolling, and they, this is, you know, it didn't annoy me, but they, they wanted Harvey on the show. They wanted to do a pre-record, and I said, but I don't want to do a pre-record of Harvey. He is what he is, you know. I don't want to hide his personality. And they're like, will he swear? And I went, no, he won't swear. I really generally th didn't think he'd swear. So I'm going, Harvey, you know, what do you want to say to all these people who are horrible to you? And he just went, hello, you cunt. And it went <laughs> everywhere. And me, Piers, and all of that were on the show. And we're looking like, Harvey, you mustn't say that. And really, I'm thinking, good on you, Harvey, because that's fucking what we all want to say. He can get away with it. But then at the same time, we're like, oh, and saw Andrew and that going, I'm really sorry, everyone was, you know, apologising. But afterwards, we're like, yeah, good on you, Harvey. Yeah, but, you know, but he doesn't really know what it means. It's just the context he said. It was actually quite funny. And he did say, like, what we'd want to say. Well, it's been, it's been a hell of a journey for you to, to be in that seat, to be in that picture, to, to live the life that, that you've got from that first... From that first Page three photograph as a From that 90 pound job I did. When I had 90 pound a week doing nursing, I did it in a two hour shoot with Beverly Goodway. So here I am today. Yeah, but <laughs> there's been a lot of choices and decisions and yes. ups and downs along the way. And one thing that strikes me about you, for all for all the right choices or the difficult choices, you're not here by accident. You're not a success by accident. You're a success because you made yourself a success. And I think I think that's Have a I testament to you. Have I changed your opinion, or do you still think I'm nuts? <laughs> I changed. Yeah. I had a five-minute conversation with you, didn't I? Uh, yeah, yeah. Briefly, a few weeks ago. And, uh, and I changed my opinion on you in that five-minute conversation oh, because cool. it was apparent then, because it was a social occasion. You, you, you weren't playing up. You, you were just normal. And uh, not dressed up like a dolly no. girl. Never dress up like that. And not, I think, not like you today. But I think tonight, I think we'd all say that was a lovely conversation because you have come across as a, as, as a proper, normal, lovely person. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Katie Price. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by UKTV Play, the free on-demand service. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.